Hi, this is Cara Vargas of the WIFL. You are listening to Jonathan Regis and Jim Williams on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. Another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Raggett. Alongside me is always the voice, Jim Jameson Williams. Jim, what's going on, bro? Hello, friends. Uh, <laughs> could you stop with the Jameson? Good Lord. But it's great, and everybody loves it. Who is this everybody? Constant emails that everybody thinks legally you should change your name to Jameson Williams. What, am I Amish? No. Do I look like a dweeb or a nerd that blows my... You could be German Dutch, man. I mean, come on. Pennsylvania Dutch, maybe? No, 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 not not, not in the least. But uh, thank you, I think, everybody, uh, question mark. We have a lot to get to on this week's, uh, this week's, this Monday show. Uh, Before we get into the the actual sports stuff, just a step back for a second. Uh, Thoughts and prayers to those uh, affected by what is turning into an ever-growing, more tragic situation at the D.C. Navy Yard. Uh, You know, four are dead at this point, uh, at the the 12 noon hour this Monday, and there are some who might say this is a terroristic situation, and we're we're not going to cover it. This isn't that kind of show, but just know our thoughts and prayers to those in D.C. It's just, uh, you know... what kind of world do we live in? That's all I'm saying. Not a good one anymore, man. It's yeah, not it's like, stuff. oh, it's been a few weeks. Oh, let's have another terrorist thing. It's like, come on, please. Eh, was, anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know what? It seems to be the normal, though, now. It doesn't shock me when it happens anymore, and that's sad. You know? It's depressing. It yeah, really is. It really is. But <sighs> we got to talk football because yesterday was week two in the NFL. And some of us, for some some of us, it was depressing. Also, watching football Sunday, I mean, yes. we won't go there. But uh, it was depressing. But you know, yes. what can you do? But let's—I I mean, let's just jump right into and get to the games because we did have a lot of games, but we also have a lot of other things to talk about on the football yeah. end. We'll also be talking a little NBA, and as well as we got to talk MLB because the MLB playoff picture is real exciting right now, and we got to give props at the end of the show to the fans of the Boston Red Sox for the way they honored. Marion Rivera last night, so we'll get to that in a little while. But let's talk football first, Jim, and let's get to the first game, and that was the Atlanta Falcons down in the St. Louis Rams, 34-21, to and really coming out of this game with Steven Jackson going down with an injury almost right at the beginning of the game. But yeah. mm-hmm. it was a good one for the, for, for the Falcons. It was a good one. Oh, absolutely. Big-time win. Uh, Matty Ice throwing for 374, uh, completing – basically 75% of his passes. That's always a good sign. Uh, two touchdowns, a very clean game. Sam Bradford wasn't horrible, though, by any stretch. He kept his team in the game, 32 of 55 for 352, three touchdowns and a pick. This goes back to something I mentioned on one of the podcasts I do. Anytime a quarterback throws for 50 or more attempts, more often than not, unless it's an overtime game, they're going to lose. Just Just follow that trend out as we go. If you throw the ball 50 or more times, you're probably going to lose. Just keep that in mind. But obviously the loss of Steven Jackson, that 
that that crippled him. That absolutely, absolutely crippled him, uh, potentially. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, Matty Ice getting the job done. Another day, another dollar for him. Yeah, so Falcons moved to 1-1. One one. Rams dropped to 1-1 one one on the season. And uh, you know what? We said it uh, on Friday. You know, you know, with the Rams, they got more weapons now. Jared Cook is a weapon for uh, Sam Bradford, and it showed 30, uh, 32 of 55. 352, like I said, uh, he looked real good yesterday. So They're going to break through eventually. It's just going to take a little bit of time. They need that running game, though, man. You know, Richardson, 10 carries, 35 yards. They're really not getting anything from their running game. So Agreed. And how many times have we said it already in the, in the couple of weeks we've been uh, doing this show? You have to have a balance. You have to have some semblance of balance to win in this league. Yes, you can have a quarterback who throws for 300, 400, 500 yards in a given week, but you've got to have a good running game to keep everything honest. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with St. Louis, though. It always seems to be that they look good, and then uh, the season starts, and they just, you know, they're Jekyll and have high. a lot of mediocrity, you know, until we get to the middle of the season. That's when they drop off. So They're Jekyll and Hyde. They can be very Jekyll and Hyde-like. No doubt about it. Let's get to another game, and we had a uh, 24-23 Buffalo Bills win over the Carolina Panthers. E.J. Manuel with, uh, you know, basically the game-winning, uh, you know, touchdown there in the fourth quarter. Did you watch this game, Jim? What did you think of uh, E.J. Manuel's performance yesterday? Well, I didn't watch this game for obvious reasons, as we'll get to a little bit later on when we recap games. But uh, E.J. Manuel, again, with two seconds left, hooking up for that big touchdown pass to Stevie Johnson, Mr. Reliable there in Buffalo, uh, to put Buffalo in front one and counted most in the very end. And we talked about Manuel, what kind of a quarterback he was. Last week he wasn't bad. This week he was even better, uh, completing 27 out of 39, just under 300 yards passing, a touchdown and an interception. It's starting to look like Buffalo, I know it's early, we don't want to crown them yet, but it looks like they might have at least something that resembles an answer, a quarterback, which is a pleasant thing. Uh, but more importantly, they've got C.J. Spiller doing his thing. 103 yards rushing on 16 carries. Fred Jackson got 12 carries for some reason, I guess, to keep things honest. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Stevie Johnson and E.J. Manuel slowly but surely becoming a good tandem in the AFC East when it comes to uh, quarterback-receiver tandems. Yeah, and a lot of people knocked the Buffalo Bills taking E.J. Manuel, but he showed yesterday he could play in the NFL. He He proved his worth right there. A big-time moment. Quarterback stepped up and got the win. Yeah, 27 of 39. That's really not bad for a rookie quarterback. Not bad for anybody. No, it's not. He's now got a uh, 68.2 uh, percentage, 446 yards, three touchdowns, one interception on the season with a 95.9 QB rating. Not bad for a rookie quarterback in two games. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. That's something that Buffalo can hang their hats on. I guess uh, if they continue like this, they did a good job getting rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick, huh? Uh, we'll see. Talk to me in seven or eight weeks. Well, like I said, if he keeps playing like this and improving. If he does, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he said, you know what, already he's throwing less interceptions than Ryan Fitzpatrick, so you got to give him props there. That's true. Uh, here we go now with the uh, Chicago Bears going up to 2-0 and in a season with a 31-30 win over the Minnesota Vikings, who dropped to 0-2. Christian Ponder, 16 of 30, 227 yards, one touchdown. But Jay Cutler, 28 of 39, 290 Three touchdowns. Matt Forte looked damn good yesterday. Jim, what did you think of the game? Well, we talked about it on the Sunday uh, preview show, which I, you know, aimlessly and shamelessly plugged myself into. Uh, It was going to be a a case study of which running back would show up. The answer is kind of both. 
Peterson ran for 100 yards in a losing effort. Forte showed up for 90 yards on fewer carries. Uh, but you also have to say that Forte did his thing in the receiving end, catching 11 balls. He was targeted 11 times. He caught all 11 for 71 additional yards. So by default, your advantage goes to uh, Matt Forte as the all-purpose back, uh, all-purpose yardage, about 160-some-odd yards. Yes. Uh, and again, Cutler, Brandon Marshall, Cutler, Martellus Bennett multiple times. Just more weapons on offense, and, you know, they squeaked it out in the end. Yeah. I, you know, it was just nice, you know, to see that 11 targets from Matt Forte, even on the receiving end, with the 11 completions as well as 19 carries. He looked really good yesterday. Matt Forte, can't wait to see him uh, start rushing in for some touchdowns. That's going to help out a lot of fantasy teams around uh, the NFL world. So, Yeah, and Cutler with a game-winning drive with 10 seconds left, hooking up with Martellus Bennett to put the game out of reach. Absolutely. Good game yesterday. I really enjoyed watching that game. I kept flicking back to it as much as I could uh, during that, that 1 o'clock slot. So, mm-hmm. really good. Uh, Green Bay Packers with a 38-20 to win over <laughs> RG3 and the Washington Redskins. And let me tell you, RG3 did not look good. The numbers don't suggest it, though. He went 26-40, well, 320 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. But once again, he came on in that second half. What's going on with RG3 in the first half of, the, of, of these first two games? Well, first and foremost, especially in this situation, yeah. uh, and not unlike the Eagles game last week, it was garbage time when he did his damage. The uh, defense was lax. When you're up 38-7 to entering the fourth quarter, you're allowed to be a little bit lax. And that's what happened. I mean, Griffin, again, like you mentioned, he threw uh, and hooked up for three touchdowns. But this game was out of reach in the second, third quarter when it was 38-7. to Let's talk about the real story, Aaron Rodgers. Beast mode, 34-42. 480 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, quarterback rating of 146. But there's also one other sidebar. For the first time uh, this decade, if I can say it that way and spin it that way, for the first time in four years, Green Bay had a running back with over 100 yards. And that was, of all people, James Starks, because Eddie Lacy went down, I believe, with a concussion. Uh, Starks, 132 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Just imagine if the Packers had a running game consistently. Well, you know, that's the thing, man. I didn't like what I saw from Eddie Lacy in the preseason. I didn't like what I saw from him in the first game. And then we got James Starks, who comes out again. And every time they usually use James Starks, he gives them some decent yardage. So it comes down to the thing, you know, are they going to have to just give more carries to James Starks? Well, they tried doing that before, and it didn't work out. That's the thing. I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's the answer at running back, per se. I'm inclined to think it's more lacy, but, you know, I really don't know. Yeah, yeah. So. Amazing, though, but like you said, the you know the real story there, Aaron Rodgers with just a phenomenal, almost a record-breaking day. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't Peyton, but it was very effective. <laughs> Hello, Peyton. Peyton. Derek TV. <laughs> Peyton. That would be great if he calls in when Dane rips into you, man. Peyton. I love Peyton. He's on one of my fantasy teams. He's my boy. Well, let's go here now. The Miami Dolphins now 2-0 and with a 24-20 win over Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. We knocked Ryan Tannehill a little bit uh, yesterday on the NFL preview show, but he had himself a pretty good day. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I just talk about his wife again as I bring up the stats for this game? No, both quarterbacks were pretty much on par with each other, save yes. for Luck with the interception. Tannehill threw, threw for 319 yards, Luck for 321. Tannehill a little bit more, uh, a little bit better completion percentage. Uh, 
Mike Wallace emerging from the dead to make himself known with nine grabs and 115 yards uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and that was part of the victory as well. Uh, Again, you know, I don't know what to make of this. I really don't. I mean, I think it comes down to Indianapolis's – I really don't know what to make of this. I I can't put my finger around it. I, I can't. You know what bothers me is that yesterday I dropped Lamar Miller because he was terrible in the first game and do yesterday sixty nine yards with a touchdown. But well, there you also go. look, I, I you know what I said it when uh, Vic Ballard went out. You know, if you got a flex spot, put him on Bradshaw and he's going to get you something. You know, fifty carries, sixty five yards, but he did get a touchdown yesterday, and uh, you know, hopefully for the Colts, Ahmad Bradshaw will start to uh, progress for them because they're going to need a good running game. Yeah, I mean, both games, it was pretty evenly matched all the way through. It's just uh, Miami had enough to, to outlast and outwit and outsurvive, if you will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, crazy stuff. All right, let's continue going here with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Dropping the game to the Kansas City Chiefs 17-16. to You got to love those one-point wins, but if you're the other team, you got to hate them as well. I, um, um... <clears throat> Tony Romo was an awful uh, again, uh, you know, for the Dallas Cowboys, but Alex Smith was just better yesterday. Yeah, Alex Smith didn't throw for as many yards, but he, he hit the end zone more often. I mean, comparable quarterback ratings for the two guys. Uh, you know, I think we need to turn things over to Andy Reid for his thoughts. <clears throat> I uh, just want to say, uh, proud of my quarterback. He uh, led the team in rushing, uh, did a good job in the air. Uh, it's kind of like uh, <clears throat> smiling Donnie all over again when I see Alex Smith. Reminds me of uh, McNabb, <clears throat> except for the fact that he uh, didn't vomit on the field of play. <clears throat> uh, that being said, we need to do a better job out there, and if uh, we had lost the game, we're going to take it full responsibility. <clears throat> Time chores. Thank you, Andy. Read, Thank you. Thank you. Now, there's another person who needs to call in and give me the business. You know, uh, also, as well, but if you look at Dallas... Mm-hmm. If DeMarco Murray ran the way he's supposed to run and he gets that yardage, they could have easily won this game yesterday because Romo looked good. The connection between him and Des Bryant, Des Bryant was just making these catches yesterday that were just unbelievable. Right. But it's that running game again. DeMarco Murray is supposed to be, you know, a good running back. And so far in the first two games, he showed absolutely nothing. Yesterday, 12 carries, 25 yards. Yeah, I I just... uh, It's just... You know, DeMarco Murray, 25 yards. That That's not acceptable no. for this team. Not acceptable. But not only acceptable. 16 carries as well, all around. Tony Romo with two of them. I guess they don't have a backup. They don't. I mean, Lance Dunbar, anybody? And, he, and his one carry, he got half as many yards as Murray. Well, if you look on the uh, opposite side of the ball, Kansas City, Alex Smith, the quarterback, eight carries, 57 yards. He's got He got more yards and less carries than DeMarco Murray did. And half as many carries, exactly. Unbelievable. Well, you know, it's it's just... This, Neither this, of these teams this, are setting this, the world on fire is what I'm trying to tell you, folks. Neither of these, Both of these teams are going to fall back to earth. Kansas City especially is going to fall back to earth this, eventually. This was a game that Dallas should have won, and they didn't because... And I'm it was ugly. They're running game. It was an ugly game, simply put. No other way to call it an ugly game. Yeah, it hurt them. Let's move on to your Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, Jesus, and Joseph tough, and Tough, tough loss against Phillip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers today. Both teams now 1-1. One one. Rivers with a monster day, man. 
Got to give him his credit, even though it's a bad defense. No. Rivers had himself a damn good day. Uh, my good buddy, shout out to him. Uh, he works at 97.5, the, uh, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. He also works for uh, Sirius XM, uh, various channels, uh, sports channels there, Matt Martucci. He may mention that in less than two weeks, Peyton gets to face this Eagles team. Holy butt, that seven-touchdown number seems like nothing compared to this defense. When he faces this Eagles defense, he might have ten touchdown passes in 60 minutes. Oh, man, it's, it's going to be crazy. Listen, I, I was live-tweeting throughout this game, at Jay Williams on air if you want to follow it. In my 29 years of being on this planet and being a football fan, almost from the womb, ladies and gentlemen, I have never seen a worse defense. And that says something because... Last year, we had a defense that was run by an offensive coordinator. <laughs> and it looked better last year than it did this year. <laughs> they did. That's terrible. I mean, our secondary has got to come. I'm going to go off the soapbox here, so if we could be a while on this game, I'm sorry. Go for it. Go for it. This secondary puts the, you, you know, do we get the players? Do we get Nate Allen and Corey Williams from Our Lady of the Blind, Deaf and Ignorant? Honest to God. I mean, oh. Well, you know what? You know what? As you're doing this right now, Jim, I got to bring somebody in with you right now. Oh, no. And that's our very good friend and your fellow Philadelphia Eagles fan, Brett Clendaniel. Brett, what's going on, brother? Commiserate, bro. You know, I am sick to my stomach over this game. Talk about a game that you should not lose in week two. You have a high-powered offense. And this defense is the absolute they're, – they're scum. They're terrible. Nate Allen could not cover my 93-year-old great-grandmother, and she's been dead for 10 years now. Nate Allen could not effectively cover her on any type of route possible. You know, you you have these, where is the pass rush? Phillip Rivers got touched one time yesterday. Once. And it's, it's and the fact what's going on in Philadelphia. It is. And like I said on Twitter, my father right now could cover better than the Eagles secondary did. And he's been dead for two and a half years. Push it up the daisy, six feet under, bereft of life, he rests in peace. He is an ex-parrot. Sorry, Monty Python. So, <laughs> well, let me ask you this, guys. If we put, if we put my great-grandmother, God rest her soul, Marietta was her name, uh, same name as my mother. We put her back there with Ken the Painter, Jim's dad. They, they probably would be a more effective secondary uh, safety combination than Patrick Chung and Nate Allen. Everybody wang chung my arse, you know what I mean? Okay, I want to bring up something serious, though. Everybody talking about the high-octane offense, and there were many fans. I'm not going to say all fans, because I think you and me, Brett, were in the same boat here. After week one, wow, this was impressive. I'm not going to crown their butts. I'm not going to crown them Super Bowl champions. We we have this thing called reality that some fans are, are jaded about. But it's that very high-octane offense, that let's get it done in two minutes or less, hurry-up offense, that actually, in many respects, cost the Eagles the game because they left the defense on the field, gassed as can be, granted a bad defense, but they were on the field for something like 40, 45 minutes of the game. You can't win that way. No, I, I see your point, but I, I don't think that in a game like this, I don't think you can blame the offense at all. The offense did what they needed to do. You know, when you put up 30 points, you should win in the NFL every time. You, you, uh, you know, you need to be able to rely on your defense at one time. You're looking at an offense that right now has the NFL's leading rusher and leading wide receiver at the moment. Uh, and yeah. you, have a, you have a quarterback who I think is eighth in yards. 
Um, you, you know, you, you really can't – in my opinion, you can't blame the offense at all for this loss. I understand where I, you're I coming from. I totally get it, well, and I think you're you know, probably right. You know, I don't think Judge is actually blaming the actual offense. I think you're blaming the actual offensive play call because every every time you have the the ball in the offensive end, it can't be a two-minute drill. Well, if you're putting a bad defense out on the field every time what and you're letting 33 points up to the San Diego Chargers, what, what are they going to do against the good team? Right. Well, what it comes down to is simply this. When you saw that last offensive series, and I'm not talking about what they did with, with two seconds left. I mean, their last legitimate offensive series. And you saw them score a touchdown with about two minutes or so left on the clock. You knew as well as I did, Brett. San Diego was going to march back down the field and score. You knew that. I think we, I think we tweeted seconds apart about, yay, we scored a touchdown. Oh no, we're going to lose this game because our defense is coming back out. Exactly. <laughs> but, but that's which not is, the only problem. Which is true. Deshaun Jackson immaturity with a stupid penalty. That's part of the problem. Oh, and that could have been negated in and of itself if you learn the first rule of fumble recovery: fall on the damn ball. Don't try to play scoopsies. Well, not even that. What the hell was Lane Johnson doing on that Deshaun Johnson, uh, Deshaun Jackson touchdown? Yeah, I. Well, Lane Johnson surely uh, you could he's definitely. Playing linebacker. Some, I mean, he, he's he's highly touted. He he played superb in Week One. He he was he was great during the preseason for the most part. Um, everybody's had great things to say about him, but yesterday was the first time that Lane Johnson played somebody like Dwight Freeney. And Dwight Freeney yeah. definitely taught him a lesson yesterday. Um, aside from the things that you're mentioning about Lane Johnson. The, the fumbling, uh, Deshaun Jackson's stupid penalty. Let's talk about the fact that the Chargers had six timeouts in the second half because Chip Kelly still has not figured out how to use them properly. Yeah. Well, Got to love those college coaches, man. Uh, yeah, when when he took the three timeouts in a row at the end, I, I understand what he was trying to do. I really do. But it was stupid. Yeah. It was it was absolutely stupid, especially in the era of the last seven, eight years where you want to try to ice the kicker. I can understand maybe taking the first two, and I wouldn't agree with that, but at least ice the kicker, try to prolong the game, because if you get the ball first, knowing this Eagles offense, you're going to score a touchdown, and you're going to win the game with the new overtime rules. But no, no, let's not do that. Well, you're uh... – and to go back to what you said earlier about the offense maybe not not always doing the two minute drill. When you really when you look at it, I don't think this offense is much different than than the one that Andy Reid uh, did the last few years. The only difference was Andy Reid did it hike the ball every twenty seconds. Um, you know, so from that from that kind of train of thought, and you see other other teams in the in the NFL running a similar offense. The Patriots, the Packers, the Forty ers have started doing it. Um, you're looking at offenses that, that they get stopped as well. You know, I think that the, the, if you take the pace away from the Eagles' offense, they may just turn into just another offense, and they may not score 30 points a game. Um, oh, absolutely. I think the, the pace actually benefits them. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what, let me ask you this. Why did LaShawn McCoy only get 11 carries yesterday? He was averaging a, a, almost five and a half per clip. Damn good question. I wish I knew. There was a crazy yeah. stat running around last year. I don't remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines of the Eagles have never lost when LaShawn McCoy touches the ball 25 times. And uh, why he, he touched the ball 33 times last week, he gets 11 carries yesterday, I I don't have an answer. I, I wish but I knew. The Vandy Reid is back, folks. You know what? Now on the defensive side of the ball, is this on the shoulders of Bill Davis, or is this just that they don't have any good defensive players? I would lean uh, I towards the latter. Both. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, they're obviously they still have a their secondary was pieced together. Uh, there's three new faces back there. Brandon Boykin, by the way, Brandon Boykin is going to be a star. If you have, if you put four Brandon Boykins in the secondary, you have an actual NFL secondary. Uh, unfortunately, what they have now, you have Kerry Williams, who I, I guess he's pretty good, but he's a hothead. Uh, you know, he does a lot of stupid things. Um, oh, yeah, Fletcher we knew that was out yesterday. And uh, Patrick Chung, I mean, he's hit or miss. I, I mean, uh, these were the scouting reports on him coming out of college as well, and this is why the Patriots let him go. Yes, he's going to make some great plays. Yes, he's going to lay some people out, but he's also going to get beat. And we see that yesterday. And Nate Allen, Nate Allen is Nate Allen. Nate Allen has, has somehow – Secured a spot on this team for I think this is his third or fourth season I believe I don't I don't know how he still has a spot on this roster especially he must the have incriminating pictures of Jeffrey Lurie I don't know <laughs> he must I mean we have Earl Wolf who we drafted this year everybody is pretty high on at this point put him back there you know we got you, can't do worse. you take away you take away the first two quarters of the season and the Eagles have gotten destroyed the last six quarters yeah yeah. So. Well, so what do you think is going to fix this Philadelphia Eagles team right now? Because they're putting up the good offensive points, but if you're giving 33 points to a team like the San Diego Chargers, what are they going to start doing when they play teams like the Giants? So teams like well, Peyton well, Manning and the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the way that we're going to find out if this is going to work or not is going to be in the next three weeks. You are going to play the Kansas City Chiefs, who are now running a similar offense with Alex Smith, who, in my opinion, is very underrated and has really gotten the, the short end of the stick the last few seasons. You know, he, he took them 49ers to the NFC Championship. He looked great. He, you know, got, got hurt and lost his job. They're having a great year out in Kansas City. It's efficient. They're running a, a spread offense, and it's working. Then you're bringing in Peyton Manning, and the, we're going to score 80 points against the Eagles' defense. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, that's the next game, and then they play the Giants. So there's no end in sight. No, no, it's going to be a tough year for the Eagles, I think. So, yeah. ah man, well, you feel like staying on with us, bro, or what? Uh, what do you guys going on to? You guys still discussing football? We're we're, we're still going for the rest of the NFL games yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, sure. I have uh, I have nothing better to do. You know, I, I guess if God I have to, if, the, if the best thing that can happen to me is to spend time with, on the phone, you know, on the phone here with you guys, sure. You know, whatever. There, there you go. All <laughs> right, man. Well, let's well, let's continue picking up. Let's go to the next game, and that is the defending Super Bowl champion Baltimore Ravens with a fourteen to six win over the Cleveland Browns. Once again, not an exciting game from the Baltimore Ravens. And they were shut out up until the third quarter yesterday by the Cleveland Browns defense. Jim, what did you think of this game? Uh, ugly. Ugly AFC North matchup, as you knew it probably would be, considering the caliber of Joe Flacco and the Ravens and Brandon Whedon and the Browns. Uh, then you've got the aspect of Ray Rice getting hurt. So, arguably their biggest offensive weapon down, not good. Not good at all. Uh, so, Baltimore lucky to escape with the victory. Uh Bernard Pierce, is he going to be the answer at running back if Rice misses significant time? Well, he carried the ball 19 times for 57 yards. That's eh at best. Uh, really just a ho-hum AFC North battle. Nothing that really stands out in this one. Uh, what about you, Brett? Yeah, I think I, Ray Rice going down hurt a little bit, but it was so late in the game that by that point I think that, I think Cleveland was pretty much out of it. Uh, but but kudos to Joe Flacco for for starting that game playing quarterback. Uh, they say anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half, depending on uh, which report you listen to, an hour and a half to a, a half hour before the game. His wife gives birth to their second kid, 
And, uh, you know, he went out there and he, he performed. He had, a, he had a decent game, 22 at 33. Um, you know, it was, but it was a really ugly game. Definitely an ugly yeah. game. The Browns are terrible. Uh, they're just awful right now. And uh, you look at their schedule coming up. They play the Texans. They play the Buffalo Bills. They play the Miami Dolphins, Green Bay Packers. Chicago Bears, I mean, you know, they're going to have some tough, tough games this Ravens team. They're going to not mimic anything of last season for themselves. So let's keep it going. Houston Texans, what's going on with them? Even though that they're 2-0, 30-24 to went over the Tennessee Titans yesterday, a, a, a come-from-behind win for them. What is going on with the Houston Texans? They can't play defense. And this is supposed to be a defense that's supposed to be stacked. Exactly, yeah. and they're having trouble. I think I think I read a stat that they're the first team in NFL history to open up the season with back-to-back games in which they won those games on the very last play. Yeah, yeah. Cushing had two sacks. Watt had two sacks. It, 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 I think it comes down more to the secondary than it does to the front four or the front seven even. Uh, and that being said, Jake Locker looked anemic. 17-30 for 148 and two touchdowns. Chris Johnson ran for almost 100 yards. There's a problem, because Chris Johnson is not the Chris Johnson of old. And for those of you who are scoring at home, yes, Ben Tate got uh, more yardage, even though Foster got twice as many carries. Uh, I, I, Again, this is, this is just bizarro world to me when it comes to the Houston Texans, and it took overtime, and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just I think, early their, I think their problem is that they're not using Arian Foster like they have in the past. I mean, obviously he has a lot of mileage on him now. Maybe they're worried about that. Uh, but, you know, Matt Schaub's going out there. He threw 48 times yesterday, and they ran the ball 28 times. Uh, you know, the, the Houston Texans that have really uh, kind of grown the prominence in the last few years uh, have done it on the back of Arian Foster and Ben Tate. Uh, why they've right. gotten away from that the last two games is kind of beyond me, but I think that that's probably why they are where they are. Yeah, far far less balanced indeed. Far less balanced, and, and you know me, balanced offense usually yields good results. Yeah, well, the report coming out that Ben Tate is not happy with the way that the Houston Texans are uh, using them and uh, might be. I, w- I wouldn't be either. I got you know, I mean, nine carries, ninety three yards. The guy's a little bit of a beast, you know. Yeah, he's got a big frame on him. He's a little bit of a power back. Arian Foster, nineteen yard, uh, nineteen carries, seventy nine yards. As we know, it's not the Arian Foster of old either. So. I, I guess they have no choice but to use Ben Tate in the way they're using him. They've but, got to platoon him. They've got to platoon him properly, and they're not doing that. Yeah, you got to give uh, props to uh, rookie uh, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, man. He he looks damn good for this Houston team. Yeah, he did. Him and Chop connected real good. But two and zero for the Houston Texans. Let's go to another game. Arizona Cardinals with a twenty-five to twenty-one win over the Detroit Lions. Carson Palmer's not looking half bad down in Arizona, Jim. That is something surprising to me. And Bruce Arians has coached them up big time. Uh, Carson Palmer uh, leading the t- leading the cards down late to uh, beat the Detroit Lions. A Detroit Lions team that uh, how how can I put this properly? <laughs> Reggae Bush, ouch. That's all I can say. Reggie Bush, ouch. We talk so highly of Reggie Bush in Detroit, and what happens? He goes down and could possibly be out for a while. So Yeah, and Joy Bell's not going to be the answer there. There's a, there's a little news flash to you. Uh, but no, Carson Palmer did, did a fine job, 22-39, 248, and a touchdown. He threw a pick as well. Uh, what what you look at, I mean, Richard Mendenhall ran for 66 and a touchdown. 
there's a little bit more balance there in, in Arizona. I, I think a lot of it goes to this team and this group of players, a, a group of throwbacks, if you will, a group of uh, left for knots. And then there's Larry Fitzgerald, who's, you know, aces, of course, in everybody's book. Oh, yeah. They're buying into what Bruce Arians is coaching. They believe in what Arians is preaching to them. And it, it shows on the scoreboard. It shows in the results. Yeah, it it also shows that Arizona could be a legit team this year because Detroit's not a bad team, and Matthew Stafford is already showing that what we saw of Matthew Stafford last season was a fluke because he's playing some real good football right now. Sure. Um, Brett, you, you know Carson Palmer. We've talked about him so many times before in the past. Is this just fluke out of Palmer right now, or do you think he's finally found himself a good team? No, I think he has himself a good team. He has, he finally has himself some weapons. You know, you know, I'm a big Bengals fan, and, and I love Carson Palmer when he was here. And he was surrounded always by by uh, you know T.J. Hushmanzada and, and Chad Johnson. Um, he always had weapons there. He, he he goes through the contract dispute. He doesn't get what he wants. He ends up on the Raiders. Uh, you know, nobody's going to look good on the Raiders, even though Terrell Pryor is is pretty fun to watch so far. Uh, yeah. But Palmer has a, a pretty good offensive line at the moment. It would have been even better had they not lost Jonathan, rookie Jonathan Cooper for the year. Uh, but he has a good line in front of him. He has, you know, he has a number one wide receiver again. And uh, and, and Rashard Mendenhall, he's serviceable. I think what the, what really was the deciding factor in this game, and Carson Palmer alluded to it in his post-game comments, was actually the turnovers. Uh, Detroit, <laughs> I think they lead the league in pass interference. They have for like three running seasons now. And yesterday they committed eight fouls for 101 total yards, uh, the, the largest of which came against uh, quarterback Bill Bentley. Uh, right around two minutes to left, Carson Palmer throws that pass down the line. I think it was a 31-yard pass to Andre Roberts in the end zone. Sure enough, pass interference gets called. And uh, two plays later, Mendenhall, you know, plows it in a one-yard run. Game over. Game over. It was a good one. Now here we go. Revis Island down in New Orleans. Well, actually, the New Orleans Saints down in Revis Island in Tampa Bay. Um, and New Orleans gets the win, but they squeaked the by 16-14. to 14. Our good friend Luke Hawks is probably running around New Orleans right now with a shirt off. Screaming some good New Orleans Saints chants. Oh, yeah, we knew that already. Gumbo. <laughs> but you know what? We were just talking about this yesterday morning, Jim, you, me, and John Leary. And you kind of knocked Doug Martin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a running back. Yet 29 carries, 144 yards yesterday. Damn good from Doug Martin, by the way. I love him. But Josh Freeman, how do you only throw the ball 22 times? How do you only complete nine out of the 22 when you're in the NFL? Yeah. And you win. Yeah. And you win. It's mind-numbing. I mean, 11 targets to Vincent Jackson, only five receptions. The story is defense for Tampa Bay. Mason Foster with the key interception, one of the, one of the best touchdowns we've seen in the early season so far. That 85-yard scramble, rumbling, bumbling, fumbling his way into the end zone for a touchdown, picking off Drew Brees. That was unbelievable to watch. And then it comes down to Garrett Hartley with no time on the clock. A game-winning drive set up by the master, Drew Brees, uh, to get the job done. And, and and how does Brees do it, you ask? Two words. Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Hand grabs 179, ladies and gentlemen, and a touchdown. Uh, ugly game between two division foes that really don't like each other. I can give you the inside info from Carl on that. Uh, it's just just an ugly game. It's one of those types of games that you're lucky to escape with a win any way you cut the cookie. You, you have to wonder if all of the uh, the news from last week about the reported uh, you know kind of blow up between Greg Schiano 
and Josh Freeman was kind of you know on on his you know on his mind and on his shoulders during yesterday's game. No uh, doubt. You know there, the the reports that come out that Freeman I guess wants wants a trade of some kind and Shido doesn't want him there. Uh, I guess he, he's late for meetings and things like that. So, so obviously there was something weighing on him yesterday, and uh, you know kind of is what it is. How often? I, I can't recall off the top of my head the, the last time we've seen a, a starter of that magnitude get traded in season. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. And we might have to have this for change to be uh, going in in Tampa Bay. And, and honestly, I'm signing with Freeman here a little bit because Shiano has not proven himself in the NFL. We've seen what Freeman can do. We've seen him play well. He may be a case, and we talked about this Sunday, uh, John, of the circumstances of his coaching staff, of the plays he's being given. Some quarterbacks can't function under certain coaches. Yeah, I'm just... Uh... Looking in the chat room right now, somebody was talking about Danny Amendola, so I found that quite funny. But yeah, <laughs> let's uh, let's 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 go over to a little bit of a of, of an ugly game, and we were talking about Terrell Pryor yesterday and Friday, Jim, and the Oakland Raiders uh, squeak out. Well, not even squeak out, but it, it was a good win for the Oakland Raiders, nineteen and nine against the Jaguars. Jaguars now zero and two. Just got a text over a little bit ago from ESPN. Jacksonville Jaguars fans are holding a rally to urge the team to sign quarterback Tim Tebow, so it shows you how desperate things are down oh, in geez. Jacksonville right now. <laughs> but we thought Terrell Pryor was going to have a monster day rushing, Benny Hill style, you know, going. But Darren McFadden actually showed up finally, Jim. DMC running for 129 yards. Uh Ironically enough, the bigger story, I think, is the other running back, Maurice Jones-Drew, who many people in the hour leading up to this game were waffling back and forth because we heard unconfirmed reports. Actually, we had confirmed reports initially that he was inactive, only to be rebuffed because somebody in the press box screwed that report up. Somebody got fired in Oakland. Gee, what a shock. Uh, But MJD only 27 yards running? There's no explanation for that. There's no justification for that. He's done. He's done. Yeah, he's done. Put a fork in him. You can't run against Oakland. You can't run against an Oakland team. Come on, man. Yeah, does not look good. I mean, but you know what? John Henney wasn't that bad yesterday. Definitely an improvement over Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, many, uh, many. Henney was 25 and 38. Uh, Henny Penny, Ducky Lucky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he threw for 241 and a touchdown. He was he was solid. He didn't have too many errors, uh, as it were. It's <sighs> Jacksonville's still so screwed. They are so screwed beyond belief. Tim Tebow and the Lord Jesus can't help them. Yes, I went there because when you say Tebow, you must say the Lord. <laughs> Let me ask you, bro. What do you think Tim Tebow could do for Jacksonville? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Pat <laughs> Henning was decent yesterday. 25 of 38, 241 yards. Most importantly, he did not turn the ball over. Uh, Cecil Schwartz looked good yesterday. They have a really good connection, those two. Yeah. I, I think for them, a lot of it was, uh, you know, Mari shows Drew, obviously he's not the MJD that we've seen in the past, but losing him in the first half to the ankle injury, uh, I'm sure that hampered their game plan a lot. I'm sure going in with Henny, their plan was to really rely on MJD against uh, Oakland's run defense, and it, and it just didn't work out. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if either of you guys saw this yesterday. I think it was on Deadspin. Did you guys see the report? I guess the local uh, f- affiliate down there that's carrying the Jaguars games was inundated <laughs> yeah, with calls and complaints from fans who were so mad that the Manning Bowl wasn't able to be seen. And they actually they ran it at the bottom of the screen on a ticker that said, you know, we pretty much we apologize, but 
we have to show the Jaguars game. We can't show you the Manning Bowl. That's we we have it right here. We apologize. We must carry all Jacksonville Jaguars away games in accordance with NFL policy. Uh, WKMG Local 6 apologizes for any inconvenience. That's because of the rules that are in place with primary and secondary television markets. Every NFL team has primary and secondary TV markets where they must be in. There's nothing they could do about it. Enough said. Speaking of that, to kind of of branch off on that a little bit into something uh, related uh, as far as broadcasting rules, it it really sucked last night to see the uh, NFL red zone have to go off before the conclusion of the uh, the Tampa Bay and the the Saints game. Because of the game being delayed for an hour and a half almost. I was watching that too, and it went off. I'm like, what the hell? I want to see what's going on. You would think think the NFL-owned channel, would be able to usurp their own rules, but no, they can't. Well, they don't want it because they want you to pay for their package on DirecTV. So. Well, even DirecTV, I think the same deal, right? Well, I wouldn't know about the DirecTV Red Zone channel if it's any different, but because uh, those are two separate Red Zone channels. No, I'm talking about they're not going to play if it was just one game going. They're not going to play the whole game. It's a Red well, that Zone. And plus, NBC paid a hefty chunk of change to air Sunday Night Football exclusively, so exclusivity comes into play, too. Yeah, That's a great point. And had I stayed glued to Red Zone, I would have missed Carrie Underwood. I mean, and right. uh, even sure. though she's bastardized the song, her legs are amazing. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Manning Bowl. We have the Denver Broncos Please. marching into uh, MetLife Stadium and walking out with a 41-23 to win over Eli and the Giants. And, I mean, Peyton Manning is just a monster. Already. But, but the thing is, Peyton didn't take shape until the third quarter. And in the third quarter, when he took shape, game over. Yeah. Is they they were down actually, uh, seventeen to sixteen, and then boom went the dynamite twenty one unanswered, hooking up. No Sean Moreno, who by the way because of the MJD controversy on the fantasy side, I put in one of my starting lineups. Nice move, Jim Williams. No Sean Moreno with a twenty five yard uh, gainer, and then to Julius Thomas, and then uh, you know a punt return. From Trindon Holiday, 81 yards to the house with get away from the cop speed to seal the deal. It, it was impressive. And again, you look at Manning Stacks, Eli, I should say in this case, and you look, he threw for 362 yards. Oh, but wait, vintage Eli Manning, four interceptions. And look, Dominic Rogers Cromarty with one. He looked yeah. good in Philadelphia this year, wouldn't he? Don't get me started. <laughs> it's. You know, it's it's uh, it's just insane what Peyton Manning at his age is doing now, especially when everybody was just talking about how he was one hit away from possibly being a paraplegic. But he still you know, is. He still is. That's supposedly, but he's taking hits. Okay, can we just say it right now? He's on performance enhancing drugs. Game over. Thank you. Oh jeez. <laughs> he's at the book of biogenesis, as Brecklin Daniels' uh, baseball team in fantasy baseball would say. He's got a tight team. It's a great team. Yeah, it is. They're all drugged up, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, they finally get something from Sean Marino. 13 carries, 93 yards. You know, they're just looking so good. I love the way, you know, and, and this is how it was in Indianapolis as well. Watching Peyton Manning spread the ball out to almost every single offensive weapon and receiver he could possibly get it to. It's honestly like watching a magician. It's great. It is. It is. You know, Welker, I mean, you know, didn't really have that much of a big game yesterday, but Eric Deckerman really stepped up. And, you know, Julian Thomas, who everybody uh, was talking down about yesterday, six uh, six receptions, 47 yards with another touchdown. So could be a nice little tight end for uh, Peyton Manning and uh, Denver Broncos. But yeah, he's, he's, he's massive. He's a, he's a former, uh, former basketball player. He's kind of built like Antonio Gates. 
uh, I, I, I've already touted myself enough all over social media, but I will make sure I do it here as well, because if you don't do it here, you don't do it anywhere. But, yes, I was that genius who, who entered five fantasy football leagues, drafted Julius Thomas in every single one of them. Uh, I think what really was the Giants had a chance to win this game. You know, going into halftime, they're down one point. It's, it's, 10, it's 10-9. You would never know the game was that close by the final score. But I, I really think the Giants are, are done. I, I know it's week two. But when you can't run the football, you're not going to win. Uh, they have three running backs yesterday. Uh, Wilson, Brandon Jacobs, who they picked up this week off of unemployment. Uh, Darrell Scott, they run these guys 19 times total and get a, get a grand total, a whopping 23 yards rushing out of the three of them. And uh, that's going to that's gonna be a problem. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. We were talking about the whole Brandon Jacobs signing. This is a guy they dropped because he was so out of shape and – he was heavy and he was getting older and stuff, but yet you, you bring him back when there are guys on, this, on the heap out there. Michael Turner and Willis McGay here are too. You're going to tell me that those two guys aren't better than Brandon Jacobs? I know. Yeah, Brandon it, Jacobs it really is unreal. That line, a massive seven carries for four total yards. He did get a, t, a TD and his longest run yesterday, five yards. So that tells you, you what he did up. on his other six. You dangle a meatball sub in front of me, I'll gain more than that. Come on now. I mean, and, you know, this is that a little guy. You know, Brandon Jacobs is a big, big dude. You know, so he shouldn't be getting pushed back all the time every time he runs the ball. But I'm sorry, there's some guys that have been out of the league for years that could probably come back and do a better job than Brandon Jacobs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather have, uh, you know, Curtis Martin right now coming out of uh, retirement after the last five years, six years he's been off, and I'm sure he could do a hell of a lot better job than Brandon Jacobs. So. I, I I don't know what the Giants are thinking, but I got to go with you, Brett. To me, I think they're done already. So they're going to regret letting Ahmad Bradshaw run. I know he he wasn't great, but uh, you know yeah, but look what he's doing in Indy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's having a great year. So they have to be kicking themselves for that one. Well, there's a couple players too. You look at uh, Pittsburgh and look at uh, Rashad Mendenhall already too in Arizona. Yeah, he's serviceable so. in, in Arizona. Sure. Yeah, real serviceable. Now let's go to the Eyebrow Bowl, and that's the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers last night. Long, long delay. This this is a mind-numbing game. It was a mind-numbing game. It was a mind-numbing game, and you brought something up pre-show, Jim, that I want you to bring up here too because I totally agree with you here. Seattle Seahawks got by with a 29-3 win. The 49ers just looked lost the entire game after that long delay. The delay. Yeah, the delay in question. Mm-hmm. Would the game have been any different? I'm not saying would San Francisco have won. That's not what I'm asking. Would would the teams have played any differently sans the delay? I'm inclined to think absolutely San Francisco would have been more on their game. I you know yeah. it is what it is. You know San Francisco 49ers are still going to have a phenomenal season. They're going to come back from this. Yeah, but by just, everybody on the team looked lost last night. But by the same token, I mean. Colin Kaepernick, you talk about Jekyll versus Hyde. Oh, jeez, yeah. Oh, my God. Here's a guy who was flirting with over 400 yards, la- or over, he got over 400 yards last week passing. This this past uh, Sunday night, 13 of 28, 127, three picks. Oh, and the ultimate stat line of your scoring at home, ladies and gentlemen, Anquan Bolden, one grab, seven yards. Yeah. And Kaepernick went back to his old ways of running the football. He was the leading rusher for San Francisco in the game. A game which, again, not unlike the uh, uh, Giants-Broncos game at halftime, was definitely within reach for San Francisco to compete against. They were down by, by, you know, nine points at the half. 
what the heck happened? Uh, you know, just yeah. that Seattle was able to put up 29 points on this uh, San Francisco 49ers defense, which is a great, great defense. You know, like I said before, everybody just looked lost on this San Francisco 49ers team. Nobody looked good yesterday. And coming off that, that big, big win and, you know, that huge performance by Colin Kaepernick and Anquan Bold and others, and even Frank Gore, you know, nine carries of 16 yards last night, I don't know what the hell happened with the 49ers. I, I, think that weather delay, I think that weather delay hurt both teams. Both offenses, to be fair, didn't really look all that great last night. Russell True. Wilson had, had, a, had a pretty subpar game. Aside from Marshawn Lynch, yeah. nobody on either team had a great game at all. Uh, really, the story for this game is defense. Uh, when you turn the ball over five times like the 49ers did, uh, and you lose all five of them, you're not going to win. And, and that's what it comes down to. I mean, that Seattle defense is, is, is pretty damn incredible. And uh, that was a fun defensive battle to watch. Yeah. I do got to say, though, man, when Russell Wilson took off, watching Navarro Bowman, who's not a small dude, watching him run after Russell Wilson, catch up to him and just take him out, man, that was that was great last night. To me, that was the highlight of the San Francisco 49ers night. It was it was. It was it was it was a bad game for the 49ers, but they'll bounce back. I still say 49ers will be one of those uh, teams knocking on the Super Bowl uh, this season. We got a little bit more uh, Tim Tebow news here. A Russian football team has offered Tim Tebow one million dollars to play for two games, and the owner of the American football team that is in Russia said that Tim Tebow wants to do it. So that's a little bit of a uh, backtrack from what he's been uh, getting offered here and saying what he wants. So. Will you guys miss Tim Tebow if he goes to Russia? No. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I just I, – I, and I'd like to thank you for sending me the link because now I've got a picture of a shirtless Tebow on my screen. Thank you. That's just – Oh, great. you know you had a picture of a shirtless Tebow on your screen anyway. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> All right, let's go into a little bit of baseball real quick. Uh, thank you. Jim, why don't you give us the breakdown of what's going on? Well, you know, it's getting really – we're starting to know some things, and we're starting to know less things, if you will. Uh, the division races are just about wrapped up, save for one. Big weekend series, Oakland and Texas. Oakland took care of business sweeping the Texas Rangers, so the lead in the American League West has now ballooned to six and a half games for the Oakland Athletics over the Texas Rangers. Uh, matter of fact, that puts Oakland's magic number to clinch the American League West at – as I scroll around and get it here, eight. Uh, Atlanta's, uh, well, let's stay in the American League first. Uh, Boston's magic number to clinch the American League East is down to four as they lead by nine and a half over Tampa Bay. The magic number is nine in the Central for Detroit to clinch over Cleveland and Kansas City. Uh, we told you about the West. More on the AL wild card in a moment. Yeah. In the National League, the, mile, uh, the magic number four for Atlanta to clinch over a resurgent Washington Nationals team, which is scary. Uh, out west, the magic number also four for the Dodgers to clinch the NL West over the uh, falling fast Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Central, through the weekend, Pittsburgh-St. Louis still tied atop the National League Central with Cincinnati lagging three and a half behind. Now, the wild card is where the fun begins. If the playoffs started today, Tampa Bay and Texas would be your American League wild cards. But wait, there's more. Cleveland has now just one half game back. Baltimore's two and a half back. The Yankees are falling off the pace, three back. Kansas City trying to keep pace at three and a half games back in the American League wild card race. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you have to keep those four teams in consideration right now. The National League wild card, I thought it was all done and over with, and it was all National League Central in the NL. 
maybe not so fast, question mark? Because the Nationals, an 8-2 run in their last 10 games, they have clawed to within four and a half games of the final wild card spot, which is currently held by Cincinnati. Oh, yes, and the Nationals play the Braves coming up. Pittsburgh play Cincinnati. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati play each other six times over the next couple of weeks. If they beat the crap out of each other, Washington could actually overtake one of those teams and potentially sneak into the wild card. It's getting pretty interesting. Wow. I guess I'm going to have to start watching baseball. Yes, you are, gosh darn it. And listen to and listen to Touch Em All every week during the pennant chase on CLW83.com, Smirk. I always do that, man. You better. All right, let's get uh, stick with the baseball Brett, here. You uh, better, too. I'm sorry. Brett always does. Is Brett even still on the phone? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I'm, I'm listening. I'm enjoying this. God bless you. Okay. I'm sorry. My, my baseball season ended uh, two months ago <laughs> when the Phillies and the Angels were out of it. Well, yeah, mine ended uh, two months ago as well with the Mets. So. I'm a broadcast journalist. An opener with the Mets. John ended in April. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's uh, the first pitch, and the season is over. We got a little over seven minutes left in the show. Let's stick with uh, baseball and uh, Colorado Rockies first baseman for so many, many years. Todd Helton has announced that he will be retiring at the conclusion of the season. Jim, you and I were talking a little bit during the pre-show about it, and you brought up, you know. Is Todd Helton Hall of Fame worthy? Is the you know playing in Colorado is that going to benefit him into getting a Hall of Fame, or is it going to bet you know take him away from the Hall of Fame? So let me ask you: Do you think Todd Helton, with the numbers he has, and we compared him to Andres Galarraga, very very comparable number, very good uh, first baseman, does he make it into the Hall of Fame? Couple of notes here before I give you my answer. First of all, he has just over twenty five hundred career major league base hits. If he had gotten the 3,000, you can make a better case for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a guy who, and you talked about it earlier, uh, pre-show, his core uh, uh, breakout period was around 1999 to 2004. Ever since, things have slacked off a little bit. Yeah. He's known for his years with the Colorado Rockies, and if anything, sadly, in this day and age, that hurts his cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the Hall of Very Good, which is ironically the name of the blog you linked me to with this article, He's not a Hall of Famer by any means on the first ballot, but he is a franchise player. You think of him, you think of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, He may get in, you know, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th ballot, considering as far as I know, he's played the game clean. Uh, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm leaning towards no, he doesn't get in, but he may get in ultimately. Uh, You know, like I told you in a pre-show, you know, Who's he going to be up against on the ballot? Is he going to be? Is he going to go onto the ballot in a few years when you know some steroid users that we know are still going to be on the ballot? Is that going to help propel him into the Hall of Fame, or like you said, is he just going to be in the Hall of Very Good? Um, That's the thing. I, I I look at his numbers, and if he was a second baseman, he would automatically get into the Hall of Fame on these numbers. As a first baseman, I don't see it because if you put Todd Helton in. You would have to put in somebody like Andres Galarraga, who we compared his numbers to. Right. And first basemen, historically, are power hitters. Yes. And they are guys who hit 450, 500, 600 home runs. They're the guys who get the big eye-popping numbers that say Hall of Fame to you. Mm-hmm. And Helton, while successful in, you know, in Colorado, definitely did his thing. Those numbers don't 
show on his resume, believe it or not. Yeah. So, and then, plus, playing in Colorado will hurt his cause to some baseball writers, sad to say. You know, like I said, we keep looking at the numbers of Helton and Galarraga, and, you know, Galarraga has more RBIs, he has more home runs, a less, uh, uh, you know, uh, the batting average is lower than Todd Helton's, but he's had more 100 RBI seasons, and two of them came with Atlanta, with the Braves. True. You know, so, I mean, of course, you know, three of them came with the Colorado Rockies, and, you know, two of them were for 150 and 140 RBIs. Yeah. You know, which you really don't, you know, you rarely ever see. So, I mean, that's some, and, you know, some good numbers came with the Montreal Expos as well. So, it's 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 going to be a tough call on Todd Helton, but you got to give it to Todd Helton, a great serviceable player, one of the class acts of the game. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it'll be sad to see him go because you know what, we don't have that many good game you know, guys in the game anymore. So Agreed. Gotta give props though to the Boston Red Sox, Fenway Park and the fans of the Boston Red Sox for what they did for New York Yankees closer Mariano Rivera last night with just a very, very, very big celebration for one of the game's best, Jim. Um they gave Rivera, a painting of himself, the green number 42 placard used on the Fenway Park scoreboard whenever he pitched in at Fenway, an original seat from the ballpark, which of course was marked with the number 42, and the pitching rubber from the bullpen, as well as, you know, uh, a nice video montage with a little bit of a, uh, you know, sarcastic uh, piece in there of uh, Rivera blowing the uh, save in game four, which helped the uh, Red Sox win the championship. So, well, you know, yeah, it was, it was, that. Yeah, it was, it was good humor. He laughed. The Yankees laughed. Everybody laughed. Everybody had a good time. Very, very well deserving for Mariano Rivera. And that's another Absolutely. guy we're going to, you know, say, you know, be sad to see go because there's not many guys like Mariano Rivera in baseball anymore. Sad to see go, but happy to see him go out at the time that he goes out, yes. as opposed to what Joe Girardi wants to keep him forever. It's not going to happen that way. Uh, the Red Sox and Yankees, you know ESPN and other networks just slam it down our throat, the greatest rivalry in all of sports. But you know what? Through all the animosity, there's respect, and a lot of these guys are friends with each other. Uh, so this was just class act, and you would expect nothing less from the Red Sox or Yankees organizations for that matter. Class all the way around. I'm all for it. Yeah, I like it. He said that he wasn't offended by the good-natured ribbing about the 2004 ALCS where he blew the save. He says, and I quote, it's not strange. It was good, though. They have all the power to do that. They beat us that year. Why not? You have a great time. You have fun. And they did all the power to them, end quote. You know, class act. Exactly. All around class act, you know, and this is a guy that I always respected but hated facing him, Subway Series, as a Mets fan, but now you look at it, and it's the same thing with Chipper Jones. You still want to see guys like that in the game. You hate to see them go, even though they may have been your rival. You hated playing against them. You hated them on a field, but deep down, as they get older and they're about to leave baseball, you realize how much you respected them. Exactly. And, that's, uh, that's spot on. Yeah, it's it's just... It's you know it's going to be sad to see him go you know last to wear number forty two so congratulations mm-hmm. to both Todd Helton and uh, Mariano Rivera on some great careers so great careers indeed and congratulations on us for somehow getting through this show absolutely well it was a good show and it's the end of the show uh, I want to thank Brett Daniel for calling in and joining us for a little absolutely Brett there you go yes as well and we will be back Wednesday twelve p.m. Eastern time also on Friday joining us is the marketing manager of Out of the Park Baseball. 2014, in my words, the best baseball simulator out there, and he just came out with Fantasy Hockey Manager as well. His name is Brad Cook, and he will be joining us on Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. 
So for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Ragus. We'll see you all Wednesday. And goodbye, Ahmad Rashad, wherever you are. <laughs>